It's the Americhicks with Kim Munson. The most important stories. That seems to me like government is establishing a religion. The latest in politics and world affairs. If you give people rights, women's rights, gay rights, whatever, there can't be equal rights if there's special rights. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Surveys show that, that people still really prefer freedom versus force. It's the Americhicks dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Ah, indeed. Let's have a conversation. Happy Monday to all of you. This is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks, and we're going to have some important conversations today. Uh, We'll talk about some headlines in segments one and two, segments three and four. Rob Nadelson, you know him. He's a nationally known constitutional scholar, senior fellow of constitutional jurisprudence at the Independence Institute here, and he's the author of The Original Constitution, what it actually said and meant. We're going to be asking him some questions about the Supreme Court and some other things that he's written recently, so you won't want to miss that. Uh, and uh, But we're going to go ahead and jump in here. First thing, though, I want to say th- uh, happy birthday. Yesterday was Patty, our uh, our fabulous researcher. It was her birthday. She's 29 again, Steve. Wow. How many times can she do that? I don't know. I don't know. But uh, we'll, we'll find out. So happy birthday to Patty. And, and with that, uh, thank you for the team. Thank you to Patty. Thank you to producer Steve, Zach, and Keith for keeping this train on the track. Greatly, greatly appreciate it. Um, you know, as we are looking at all of these issues out there, the kids are home from school. Uh, you need to be having conversations with the kids. And uh, remember that socialism is not social. Socialism is force. Uh, there's this narrative out there that is romancing socialism. And you can just say to the, the, that our kids, you know, we don't see caravans and people trying to sneak across the border to try to get into Cuba or Venezuela. So something must not work very well with socialism. But you do see people trying to get into a place where freedom, freedom is the, the founding principle of America. And uh, so freedom versus force, force versus freedom. Socialism is force. And it is never compassionate to take other people's stuff, uh, their property, their rights, or their freedom via force, whether it's with a weapon, policy, or unpredictable and excessive uh, taxation. But we are seeing via policy a socialization of transportation, education, energy, housing, and water. And these are all the things that make our lives better. And uh, so we need to be pushing back on that. And uh, I'm going to ask you, Steve, you spent a, a lot of the weekend down at the Western Conservative Summit. I didn't get down there until Saturday night, and it was absolutely fabulous. But uh, going to go through our inspiration and our humor for the morning, and then I want to hear what your takeaway was on that. And then also, you've written a piece that's on the um, Americhicks website, and we want to talk about that. But since we're, we'll be talking about uh, the Supreme Court, with Rob Nadelson, I thought it was appropriate to talk about, or to pull some quotes and things from Clarence Thomas, a Supreme Court Justice. And uh, in our inspiration, he says, good manners will open doors that the best education cannot. Again, good manners will open doors that the best education cannot. And man, oh man, we are getting away from good manners. I don't think that we're teaching it like we used to in our in our classrooms. And good manners can... Um, can actually good manners are tolerant actually good manners are inclusive if you will steve it's funny i think of the very first thing that comes in the mind when you when i hear the name clarence thomas is that he practices what is preach what he preaches he is always 
uh, uh, how do you say, he's eloquent, he's quiet, he's not bombastic and in your face like so many in the other branches of, uh, other branch of government can be. So when he talks about good manners, he is, that's, that's the way he lives his life. Well, and one of the ways that you can have good manners is that you actually uh, are continuing to aspire to be the best that you can possibly be. So, you know, he, he knows what he's talking about. When, when he's talking about the Constitution, he knows what he's talking about. And so when you, you read things, you know, that's another thing Patty and I have been talking about regarding legislation. When we get into conversations with people, you can get real bombastic with each other because you haven't read it. You don't know what you're talking about. Uh, you hear, you know, what the talking heads say. You you just watch the news by you know, the news clips on the, on the television. You think that you know what you're talking about, and you don't. And so, it's important to educate yourself to understand what's going on out there. And when you do, then there can be a quiet confidence as you're having conversations with people. I know this from experience. When I didn't totally read everything, and it takes a lot of time, I knew that there wasn't something that wasn't quite right, but. I couldn't articulate it because I didn't have my brain around the issues. And so if you understand the issue, then you can have calm, reasonable conversations that um, are, are good manners. And uh, so I think that's a, a good one. Remember, Clarence, just Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, good manners will open doors that the best education cannot. And then for today's funnies, uh, Conan O'Brien He said in its last few days before break, the Supreme Court had been arguing about race, immigration and abortion. So basically, the Supreme Court had been had become most people's families at Thanksgiving. (laughs) The first time Bill Clinton shut down the government back in the 90s, I experienced that very thing because it was the week of Thanksgiving. And we're sitting at the table at uh, a family member who worked for the Naval ordnance lab outside of or in dc he he had been sitting around all week because the government was (laughs) shut down and oh my gosh uh boy did that open up so (laughs) a robust discussion it did yeah i've been in some of those uh thanksgiving dinners too that's for sure once again if you know what you're talking about it doesn't get as bombastic and you get some of the emotion out of there so the western conservative summit I want to ask you about that, Steve. Before we do that, though, you know, on Friday, I got to go up to Wings of Freedom uh, up at the Loveland Airport. Uh, My good friend Brad Hoops has written this fabulous book, Reflections of Our Gentle Warriors. It's 70 different stories, little vignettes of 70 different World War II veterans, half of them in the European theater, half of them in the uh, uh, Pacific theater. And uh, so... Brad has interviewed over 350 veterans, uh, excuse me, 350 World War II veterans. Many of them passed on now. Uh, But it's a fabulous book. And so he connected me with this Wings of Freedom. And Janelle J.R. McKinley, she dresses up as Rosie the Riveter, and she is the organizer of this. And she has such a heart for our World War II veterans. On Saturday morning, Steve, there were 26 World War II veterans. They took a fabulous picture in front of one of the, the bombers. And uh, it was just really very heartwarming to see these guys out there. <clears throat> but uh, Wings of Freedom brought in a, a B-17, a B-24, and a B-25 bomber, and a P-51 and a, a P-40, uh, you know, the little fighter planes. And so on Friday afternoon, we thought we'd go out at 2. It wasn't until probably 6 because there was weather. Um, but I got to take a, a ride on the... 
the B-25. And it gave me a new appreciation for what these young men did. You know, I have sat across the, the desk and interviewed pilots. In fact, just this uh, last week, the World War II story was um, uh, Hansel Lee. He was a pilot on a B-24, I think it is. And I did not really appreciate what these guys did. These planes were built for young men, 17, 18, 19 years old. And you have to be pretty nimble to get through those. And it was free. You could actually go through the bombers for free. For a price, you could uh, have a ride on it. Uh, so anyway, I got to go on the, the media ride on a B-25. And th- that's what uh, Jimmy Doolittle, the Doolittle Raiders, um, flew as they did that bombing mission over Tokyo shortly after um, Pearl Harbor had been bombed. And that was a really big deal because it gave the Americans heart. Uh, and uh, because we were shocked that we'd actually been bombed on American soil. And so it was, I think, about four months after uh, Pearl Harbor, these guys had decided that they were they were going to do a bombing raid on Tokyo. And I've actually interviewed Jimmy Doolittle's granddaughter. And, uh, and she said it was very scientific. They really planned everything out. The problem was, and they'd really ne- never taken bombers off of aircraft carriers before, and she said the problem was is that a fishing trawler saw them about 200 miles prior to they wanted to take off. And so they decided to take off early. And they did accomplish their mission to bomb Tokyo. But then they started to be running, running out of fuel. And they were trying to get to China. And so it is an amazing story. But riding that B-25, there's not a lot between you and the sky. There's just a little bit of metal and uh, when they took the window out, I was going to try to get myself to the back of the plane. You could walk around. But I'm pretty good with heights as long as there's something between me and not the air. But as I walked by that, that window and the air was coming in, I'm like, this is interesting. And so I just went back and sat down on my bench seat and put my seatbelt on. I know that that seems like um, a little bit of a baby, but next time I'll make it to the end of the, the plane if I do that. And the gentleman who won the drawing? Uh, what was his perception? Oh, my gosh. Um, John Medford, Denver police officer, he actually got to go up to Casper and fly back. And I saw uh, some of the pictures on his Facebook. He was so excited. He, it was just, I think, a, a, you know, a, an experience of a lifetime. So it was really amazing. So, uh, Steve, we're going to go to break in a little bit. But let's start this off. The Western Conservative Summit was this last uh, weekend, and you spent some time down there. There were so many amazing speakers. Uh, you know, we were with some friends last night, and they were talking about how inspiring it was. What would you say is one of your big takeaways? Well, I, I guess me to set the stage a little bit, my role down there was to help KLZ broadcast three hours live. Well, actually, we did much more than that once Rush the Reason got on. But So I was over in the exhibit hall where we were broadcasting. I didn't get to go over on the other side where the speakers were but every time i had the chance to walk past the monitor and watch and see the people milling around the monitors you know everybody wanted to get it absorb as much as they mm-hmm. could and, mm-hmm. and no matter how they you know whether they were in the hall itself or uh, over on the other side just looking at the monitors but uh, it's definitely a a very cool atmosphere to uh, take in because it's it's so different from the rest of what's going on in downtown Denver and the way people look, the way they act, the way they dress, uh, just just a neat thing to see. It really was. And uh, like I say, I didn't get up there until <clears throat> Saturday night, <clears throat> excuse me, because uh, I was doing this Wings uh, Freedom thing. Um, but 
the speakers on Saturday night were just amazing. And, and then um, actually somebody had shown me the uh, recording on the uh, video of Brigitte Gabriel. We've had her on the show several times. And uh, she uh, was just really powerful about how important it is that we maintain our sovereignty. And then Michelle Malkin spoke on Saturday night, and she brought something up about what has happened regarding uh, out at the Aurora Ice Detention Center. And so we're going to want to talk about that in the next break, because it's absolutely astonishing. While the Western Conservative Summit was going on downtown, out at this uh, detention center, there were people that actually took down the American flag, they desecrated it, they ran it up the pole upside down, and then on the other pole, they uh, ran up the uh, Mexican flag. And that is absolutely astounding that that could happen right here in America. <clears throat> so we're going to go to break. Before we do that, though, the Rockies finally, they started to get some wins again. They took two out of three from the Cincinnati Reds over the weekend. So they're right at 500 uh, for the season so far. They begin a three-game series with the San Francisco Giants tonight. And, you know, Steve, it is summertime, and uh, Hooters is the spot to be this summer. Enjoy Hooters beach-worthy seafood items like amazing fish tacos, delicious snow crab legs, and mouth-watering buffalo shrimp. And they have plenty of ice-cold beer options to help you cool down this summer. And love this. Monday through Friday, they have nine items for nine bucks. You can choose from nine delicious menu items such as fish and shrimp tacos, salads, cheeseburger, Philly cheesesteak, and, of course, their boneless wings. So you can dine in for those, or if you want to pick their wings up and take them home, you can do that, or you can have them delivered right to your front door. So for more information, visit HootersColorado.com. That's HootersColorado.com. Let them know that you know the AmeriChicks. We'll be right back. We're going to talk about what happened out in Aurora on Friday. All AmeriChick sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com. Don't miss Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Join Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks at Water's Edge Winery in Centennial or Colorado Cork and Keg in Castle Rock. And now introducing Vino and Veritas in Fort Collins at Ginger and Baker. Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks would like to thank Presidential Wealth Management Loveland for sponsoring the new Vino and Veritas in Fort Collins. In Denver and Castle Rock, Kim would like to thank Presidential Wealth Management Denver and YourTownTaxpayers.com for their generous support. Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Sign up today at AmeriChicks.com. You'd like to get in touch with one of Kim Munson's sponsors, but you can't recall their phone number. Find a full list of advertising partners on AmeriChicks.com. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. And uh, Steve, we need to have a conversation about about what happened out in Aurora. Uh, This is from the Denver Channel. It says, raising of the Mexican flag during the Colorado ice protest sparks outrage from rally organizers. It's not what organizers of the Lights for Liberty vigil wanted to see. During a protest in front of the Aurora ice detention facility Friday, a small group from around 2,000 protesters pulled down the American flag and raised the Mexican flag and an upside-down American flag with an anti-police slogan spray-painted on it. 
Now, I'm a bit devastated. Christian Solana Cordova of the Colorado Immigration Rights Coalition said, I'm let down by these people who basically took the mic away from our community leaders so that they could pose for a selfie, essentially to show off on Instagram just how woke they are. Friday's rally at the privately run facility, which contracts with the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, ICE, was in response to the potential ICE raids this weekend in Denver and the treatment of immigrants at detention camps around the country. It was revolting, 18th District Attorney George Brockler said. Brockler is among those who saw what happened on social media Saturday morning and wants to see the people who did it held responsible. It's not freedom of speech to trespass on land, Brockler said, and it's not freedom of speech to take down an American flag or Colorado flag that you don't own. Lawlessness is not freedom of speech. And Colorado's governor responded on social media as well, condemning the acts, but continued his disapproval of the raids. It says, uh, then uh, the Washington Times said that patriotic Americans donated U.S. flags after protesters raised the Mexican flag over the ICE facility. And uh, for those who fear the... uh, uh, ICE uh, facility in Colorado may be running short on American flags after Friday's pro- protest, not to worry. Representative Chip Roy, Texas Republican, and Good Samaritans have been bringing gifts of U.S. flags to the facility in Aurora, something he learned during his Saturday night tour of the ten- detention center. Mr. Roy, who came to Colorado for the two-day Western Conservative Summit, thanked the numerous patriotic Americans who took it upon themselves to provide replacements after activists pulled down and then attempted to burn the Stars and Stripes, which he called completely unacceptable. It's unconscionable, but you know what? The American flag is back up. And Mr. Roy, in remarks, the Western Conservative Summit at the Colorado Convention Center said there are patriots who brought flags to that facility, and that is the right thing to do. Now, he had gone through the facility, and he said that it is a very clean facility. People are getting three square meals. There's video games, iPads with news sources, TVs, gyms. Fifty-seven countries are represented. Now, I have to ask you that. How do we have 57 countries of people that have come across the southern border, Steve? Well. 29% are from Mexico, 11% from around the India region, Africa, Asia. That is what we're dealing with. So that means that they came across the big blue ocean. Yep. They uh, arrived someplace south of the border. And then they illegally came into the country. And... um, As uh, on the video of Brigitte Gabriel, she said her family came in legally. It is not fair that that people come in illegally and uh, and they have what what Chip Roy saw that, in fact, you know, three square meals a day, you know, sitting around with iPads, TVs and all. There's something that is wrong with this picture. But the other thing I wanted to mention regarding this Lights of Liberty um, Michelle Malkin had said that she had had uh, uh, had figured out that LIRS, which is the Lutheran Immigration and Refuge Service, that they were a sponsor of this Lights of Liberty. And so I, I came home and I'm like, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder how she found that out. And so I found the link to Lights for Liberty. And it is six pages of a whole bunch of different organizations that are basically, it's for open borders. So they have hosts and they have sponsors. So the hosts are the biggies. And uh, just very quickly, I wanted to, to let you know who they are, okay? New Sanctuary Coalition, Border Network for Human Rights, Coalition to End Child Detention, El Paso, Los Americas Immigrant Advocacy Center, the ACLU of Texas, the Hope Border Institute, CASA, the Fair Immigration Reform Movement, 
the Florida Immigrant Coalition, We Count, American Friends Service Committee Homestead, New York Immigration Coalition, American Friends Service Committee New Jersey, Witness Homestead, the Women's March in Florida, Casa Ruby, Lutheran Immigration and Refugee Service, Generation Progress, the Coalition to Close the Concentration Camps, San Diego, and St. Andrew United Church of Christ in Sarasota, Florida. That's just the host. Then there is, Steve, as you can see, there is five pages, five or six pages. of And, and throughout that, you will see uh, there's the, there's a socialist, there's um, um, just people that I, I think what we need to look at here is this movement, even though in this news article, the organizer of Lights for Liberty says that they were dismayed about what happened. They didn't stop it. And they are aggressively out there working to open our, our borders. And what is evident that what's happened is they're probably disappointed that the veil is off. These people don't like America. And they are here actually to destroy America. And we have let this happen. Now, I served on the board of Lutheran Family Services for six years. And I got onto the board because I, I loved one of the things that they did was adoption services. That's really how Lutheran... Um, Family services got into into uh, a business as they helped they helped young women who were pregnant uh, adopt their babies out and I really love that about them and then also they started to to bring in uh, the refuge they had a refugee program and in my mind that made a lot of sense as well I remember the stories of the people after World War II that they came to America because they wanted a new life. And they didn't come in and get a whole bunch of assistance. A friend of mine had given me a, a book about a young young family that had come here, a young couple, and basically they um, got to, uh, they were sponsored, I think, by a church, and they received uh, rent for two months. They received food for two months, and then they were on their own. And they went out and they created a business and they lived the American dream. So that's what I thought was happening with uh, Lutheran Family Services. And then I started to, to see that there was more and more push over here to uh, a refugee resettlement. And, I, I, and at the time, I, again, I'm thinking we're bringing Christians in that are being, um, um, you know, um, prejudiced against throughout the world. But then I started to realize, wait a minute, we're getting government grants to do this. And because we were getting government grants, we could no longer talk about the gospel of Christ. And so I was very dismayed about that. And then I realized we couldn't really talk about the American idea. And then I started to follow the money. And out of, uh, I think out of like a $14 million budget, $12 million was coming from government grants. And then I started to look at the salaries. The top guy there was making, um, I, I think when I left, he was making around 165000 uh, plus benefits, plus a car. And all of a sudden, I'm like, wait a minute, this isn't matching up. I, and then I come to find out that they were bringing, you know, bringing people in and, and we were paying people salaries then to help these refugees navigate through the, um, through the, the system, whereas we were putting them, they were getting cash assistance, they were getting rent assistance, they were getting uh, Medicaid, and I'm, I'm thinking there's something wrong with this picture. And now we fast forward it to now, 
And we realize we brought all these people in. They don't understand the American idea. Many times at these uh, um, ceremonies where people are becoming U.S. citizens, Democrats are right outside the door. They are registering people to vote. And once people register with the party, they, they many times don't pay attention to the candidates. And so it's just been, I think, a way to to um, bring people in that, that are going to vote Democrat. And uh, I'm just really, really dismayed about what has happened there. But now what we've seen that we saw on Friday, the veil is off. These are people that don't they don't like America. And um, they to, to desecrate the flag when when there are so many generations that have shed blood and treasure so that we can have freedom to have these people go on to private property and desecrate that. And, you know, they weren't arrested. Um, I, I hope George Brockler can figure out how that they can file charges against these people. But that should not have been able to happen right here in uh, Colorado. And uh, the governor uh, said he's, he said he was dismayed about what happened. But, you know, you can say one thing. There needs to be some action on this, Steve. Agreed. I just It's disheartening and it's demoralizing. And maybe that's a lot of their motivation to carry on like this to... You know, basically just make us all turn away and just in disgust. But, you know, how, how to push back. So good luck to George Brockler. Yeah, and, and just a couple of things. And then we've got Jason McBride on the line. But first of all, we can no longer be using our tax dollars to pay, quote unquote, nonprofits, these big government contracts to basically undermine our country. The other thing is, is uh, Francoise Bergen is on the Aurora City Council. And she is a freedom girl, and uh, she has uh, she's up for re-election this year, and she has done an amazing job as an Aurora City Councilwoman. And I would highly encourage each of you today to go to her website and contribute anywhere, a cup of coffee, five bucks, a couple of cups of coffee. Well, I guess that's if you go to Starbucks. Uh, if you go to McDonald's, then it'll be five cups of coffee. But go ahead and go to her website. And contribute because she is in a big, big race this uh, this November, and she could use your help. And uh, also walking neighborhoods and getting out and talking to people. So help her out. Uh, so, but let's uh, let's run over to Jason. Jason, um, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you, Kim? Well, I'm doing just fine. And you were down at the Western Conservative Summit. Yep, I was a faithful attendee for almost all of both days. <laughs> and you were also a TV star. <clears throat> well, I don't know if I'd say that. The news, uh, they seem to want to grab me, I think, because I was wearing my uh, Trump hat, uh, my Trump socks. Uh, you know, I got my big old uh, beard. You know, I, I look like a deplorable. <laughs> so, and and what's amazing is you were just very reasonable as you you didn't, uh, you said, I mean, you, you didn't give them any of the, the sound bites that they were really hoping for. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they're very disappointed. Yes, because you were very nice and respectful, like all of us deplorables are. So, but hey, Jason, you know, you talk about people's personal economy. I mean, that's what really matters. And you uh, have sent me some really interesting information on Social Security, and you believe it's far more important than many folks realize. Well, I, I do believe that, Kim. It's funny. I heard someone at, at some meeting the other day, and I can't remember exactly where, but they made the comment, <clears throat> excuse me, if they'd just been able to take all the money that they put into Social Security over the years and, and invest it on my own, I'd be so much better off. 
Uh, but I got to wonder, really, if that's the case, Kim. So how hard it, is it to match what Social Security is offering? I, I think it's pretty tough. I'll go through these numbers as quick as I can. But, you know, let's take a worker who uh, contributed to Social Security for 40 years. Let's say they hit the maximum earnings every year, which, by the way, that the person that hits the maximum every year, Kim, and contributes actually gets the worst deal on the back end. Right. So I'm giving the worst example here. So if that person collected their benefit now, the maximum benefit is about 2861 a month. So okay. it's 34000 and some a year. Keep in mind, that's guaranteed for life. Uh, maybe beyond your life if you have a spouse, and it also has some type of cost of living adjustment in almost every year. So, I mean, right away, that's pretty tough to match. Well, for sure. And um, so that seems like this is a pretty high number for people to try to achieve. Well, it is. And I, I ran the numbers. And, and again, if a person would have just taken 6.2% of their money for 40 years uh, and put it in the same as Social Security, they would have invested a total of about 177000 over a 40-year period. And Kim, to... Uh, you know, it's always kind of been a rough number that you could withdraw 4% of whatever you've built up for your nest egg the first year and then kind of keep that pace and be safe to not run out of money. It's not guaranteed, but to match that 34000 you'd have to build that 177 up to about 858000 and to do that, you'd have to achieve about an 8.5% rate of return year after year after year. Okay, that is a pretty high number to hit. You know, And the other thing about it, though, is with Social Security, it's not only that you know people put in that 6.5%, but then the employer has to match that as well. That's right. And uh, so I know you do a great job figuring out the, the um, best Social Security strategy for people, and, and you can put together a solid plan, and you're happy to sit down with people and talk about that. Well, I sure am, and I think that uh, calculating your best, most solid Social Security strategy is, is very, very important. I mean, it's not always just take it at 62 or 66 or wait till 70. Uh, it depends on each individual person or household or couple. And what else do they have going on? Do they both have Social Security? Do they have a pension? What does their 401k look like? And figuring out the best time uh, to kind of turn on these different spigots of income, which I like to call them, can, can really, really be important. So don't discount Social Security. Um, I would say don't... Uh, be thinking that you've got ripped off over the years and you could have done way better on your own because I get, I think it's a tall order uh, to match what they offer. Well, I think it probably, I think it is as well. So for, uh, to put together your strategy for regarding your personal economy, Jason, I know that you and all your colleagues at Presidential Wealth Management are happy to sit down with people and they can get more information at chickspresidential.com. That's chickspresidential.com. And uh, Jason, thanks so much. We'll talk to you tomorrow. 
Have a great show, Kim. Thanks so much. And we're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll be talking with Rob Nadelson. He uh, served as a law professor for over 25 years. He's nationally known as a constitutional scholar. And there's several things I'd like to talk with him about. He had uh, recently done a piece regarding do we have a conservative Supreme Court. And then he also had mentioned something about 206 corporations to boycott. So we're going to have an amazing conversation with Rob Nadelson. We'll be right back. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best. And guys, Kim can help you with made-to-measure shirts that fit great and you'll love to wear. Guys and gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. Social media is important to the Americhicks since it's an avenue we can utilize to hear from and speak to all of our friends. For those of you who enjoy listening to the show, we'd love to hear what's on your radar. Follow us and talk to us at Americhicks Twitter and Facebook pages. Also, if you're a business owner who could benefit from some extra foot traffic from like-minded friends, consider advertising on the Americhicks radio show. Contact us at Americhicks.com or email Kim at Americhicks.com. Hey, welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. Thrilled to have on the line with me, Rob Nadelson. You know him. He is a nationally known constitutional scholar and written a really important book, The Original Constitution, What It Actually Said and Meant. And so he is the go-to guy whenever we have questions regarding the Constitution, the Supreme Court. Rob Nadelson, welcome to the Americhicks. I'm thrilled to be with you, Kim. It's always great to have you on. And, and uh, you are busy. I, I don't know what goes on in your brain and your pen. I mean, you come out with such important pieces. It takes me a long time to write things. And it seems like you, you know, you, it, it seems easy that you write these. Is it easy or does it take a lot of time? Well, it demonstrates that if you do something long enough, even the person with the most mediocre abilities can accomplish something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't buy that at all. I don't buy that. Um, I'm, I'm a, you know, I've been uh, writing for news outlets now, uh, I hate to say this, but um, about 55 years I've been writing for news outlets. I started as a teenager, and uh, my first job out of, I wasn't even out of school, was as a stringer. And so I eventually picked up the ability to do it. Now I can now, now what's a stringer? Uh, a stringer is someone who um, is not a permanent, is not a regular salaried employee of a newspaper, but um, is out there in the community and writes stories about what's going on in the community for the newspaper. And so that's what I did, was actually my first job. And um, over the years, I've developed a way to, to put out uh, op-eds fairly quickly, more quickly, I think, than most people can do. But that overlooks the fact that for the week before I'm writing, I write a daily caller op-ed every week, and I write a, a column, an essay, longer essay for the uh, Epic Times every month. And the actual time sitting down writing it doesn't reflect the fact that for the, you know, for days before the column is due, I'm obsessing over it and doing research and so forth. So it actually, 
the actual writing may not be too time consuming, but the rest of it is. I get it. I totally get it. So, well, I want to talk with you. Uh, there, another place where people can find your pieces is, is at the Complete Colorado. And Complete Colorado is an excellent news source. They aggregate stories from all over uh, the state. So it keeps you apprised of what's going on. But the other thing is, is if you click on the banner at the top, they have original pieces. And I wanted to ask you about your piece, first of all, from July 2nd. Uh, you said, no, we do not have a conservative Supreme Court, you know, with uh, the whole Kavanaugh, you know, um, fireworks, you know, getting yep. him con- confirmed. People kind of went, oh, we have a conservative court. And you say no. So talk to us about that, Rob Nadelson. Well, this actually appeared first in the Daily Caller and the complete Colorado with my consent ag- agreed to reprint it. Back uh, in November, when the current let me back up just a little bit more. Supreme Court terms run from the beginning of October to the end of June. So the term that's just over is actually called the October 2018 term, even though it extended mostly into 2019. And early in the October 2018 term, I said, look, when the, when the decisions start coming down from this court, you're going to be seeing that this claim – that we have a, a conservative Supreme Court is simply inaccurate. Um, the New York Times is a great promoter or has been a great promoter of that line. We have a 5-4 conservative majority. Well, when the term was over, I wrote this, this column you're referring to, going through case after case after case after case, demonstrating that at best what we have is a central, centrist Supreme Court that for every so-called conservative victory, there was a liberal victory. And that uh, and it wasn't just Justice Roberts. I mean, people were say the, the conservatives like to blame Justice Roberts for flipping to the liberal side. Sometimes uh, Gorsuch, who has become one of the more originalist members of the court, flipped to the liberal side on several occasions. And so um, the court is certainly not a conservative Supreme Court. I was disappointed to see today that NPR, though, uh, National Public Radio, is still pushing this conservative Supreme Court line, and it is really unethical, I think, for them to do it. One other point. Both the liberal media and conservative politicians have interests in talking about a conservative Supreme Court, because the liberal media will say, oh, you know, this is why we've got to change the court. This is what we're complaining about. And conservative politicians will say, well, you know, this is why you have to elect conservative presidents, because you get a conservative Supreme Court. We don't have a conservative Supreme Court. and We haven't had one for many decades. Well, and when we're talking about the reelection of Donald Trump and, of course, all the fervor about and trying to not get him reelected, I think one of the things that, you know, people realize that are really thinking about it is this next president is probably going to get another one, possibly two Supreme Court um, picks. And that's a pretty big deal, isn't it, Rob? Not necessarily, Kim. I'm going to surprise you. You are surprising me. Okay. Um, yeah. In, in, in 2016, a lot of people said, I'm, you know, I don't, I don't much care for Donald Trump, but I'm going to vote for him for one reason for the Supreme Court. In the wider range of things, I'm not sure it makes a huge difference. In fact, it may actually be counterproductive because, um, well, let's take, for example, the Convention of States movement. When, when uh, President Obama was in office, uh, there was a strong uh, momentum toward the Convention of States movement, which would give us a permanent reform, a permanent 
uh, uh, return to constitutionality. When Donald Trump gets elected and he gets a few Supreme Court appointments, uh, then uh, people kind of let up on that. Momentum has continued, but not with the same strength. They tend to assume that the problems have been solved because we've elected a conservative president, but that's clearly not true. Um, the, the federal debt, for example, is one thing that is looming over us that the president has done nothing to deal with. The I'm not saying that one should ignore the Supreme Court. I think it's a factor to consider when you're deciding on a presidential candidate, but it should never be your primary factor. There's another aspect to this, too, and I touch on to the column. Republican presidents actually have horrible records as far as trying to appoint justices that they describe as originalists, people who believe in the enforcing the original Constitution, or they'll sometimes use the phrase strict constructionists or conservatives. Republican presidents, by and large, have not succeeded with that. Uh, over the last 50 years, there have been 19 uh, Supreme Court appointments by Republicans and only eight by Democrats. And yet, uh, you've still got four firm liberals on the court and five other people who are sort of kind of all over the map. As a result of that 50 years of predominantly Republican appointees, we have only one, one justice on the court who is a consistent uh, originalist, a consistent advocate of applying the Constitution as it was supposed to be applied. So over the long haul, I'm not sure it makes much difference. Many Republican nominees have not only become uh, centrists like Justice Roberts, they flipped over and become hard hard to the left, like John Paul Stevens, for example, who wants to abolish the Second Amendment, or, or David Souter, or, or, or uh, Earl Warren, or William Brennan, and the list goes on and on. So what I'm saying, Kim, is it's a factor to take into consideration, but the Supreme Court appointments are not as, a, as important as both Republicans and Democrats tell you they are. Oh, interesting. And the uh, uh, originalist is Clarence Thomas, yes? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, okay. And and I will say that I will say that Neil Gorsuch has some tendencies in that direction. I think he's turning up turning out to be a good justice. You know, originalism, having having a judge who's originalist or having a judge who's a principal judge doesn't necessarily mean that he or she is going to reach conservative results. Uh and in the case of Justice Gorsuch, he flipped to the liberal side and I think justifiably in two cases involving Indian treaties because he conscientiously applied the original meaning of those treaties. Interesting. Okay. Well, hey, Rob Nadelson, let's go to break. This has been fascinating regarding the Supreme Court, but you have another piece, uh, let's see, from the Daily Caller regarding here are 206 corporations to boycott. (laughs) I want to find out who they are. (laughs) So we're going to go to break. We'll be right back with Rob Nadelson, and uh, we'll find out. Who, who's to boycott? Well, this is Kim Munson. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. As a director with the National Association of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect your private property rights. Karen Levine believes in home ownership. Since losing her mother to breast cancer, Karen Levine has helped to organize a local fundraising event called Karen's for the Cure, raising money for breast cancer research. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. 
Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. So call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. That's 303-877-7516. Come join the 88 Drive-In for all your favorite blockbuster movies. We're open seven days a week. Admission is only $9 per person, and children under 12 are free. Friday, July 12th through Thursday, July 18th, features will include Toy Story 4, Men in Black International, and Godzilla. And remember our popular Monday through Thursday pizza special. Get one 12-inch pizza served fresh and hot from our oven and two tall, cool 16-ounce sodas, all for only 12 bucks. Plus, now you can top it all off with our new sweet, crunchy churros and a steaming cup of hot chocolate. For more information, go to our Facebook page or visit our website at 88drivein.net. You get more out of life when you go out to a movie. Hey, welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Thrilled to be having a conversation with Rob Nadelson. You know him. He is uh, a former um, law professor. He was a law professor for 25 years. He is a nationally known constitutional scholar. He is the senior fellow in constitutional jurisprudence at the Independence Institute. And he is the author of a very important book, The Original Constitution, What It Actually Said and Meant. And uh, before we we continue the conversation, I just want to give a shout-out to Complete Colorado. Complete Colorado is uh, the news source that you need to check out every day. They actually update uh, their news stories three times a day, so it is very, very quick, very relevant about what's going on. But they aggregate stories from all all over the state so that you know what's going on throughout the state. And then additionally, they have, if you click on the banner at the very top, It'll take you to some of the original news uh, or original opinion pieces. And, and Rob, you typically have something on there on a pretty regular basis. And uh, there is one that I wanted to mention, and that is uh, Carl Honecker had done this really important piece about these uh, early childhood taxing districts that they're talking about uh, being able to pass at local government. And he has this piece in Complete Colorado. It says, early childhood taxing districts are just subsidized daycare by another name. So I think it's important that you get your brain around this particular issue because with uh, Governor Polis wanting to have uh, a full-day kindergarten and and daycare, we need to understand that issue. And as I mentioned, you need to get your brain around these issues. So go to Complete Colorado and check that out. But Rob Nadelson, you have just done a piece. Here are 206 corporations to boycott. You started off with, uh, my business has been a good customer of Best Buy. The giant technology, and me too, I should mention, the giant technology and appliance retailer for quite a few years. But we will no longer be dealing with that company. What's up, Rob Nadelson? Well, first, let me second what you have to say about Complete Colorado. I mean, as the Denver Post uh, continues its tailspin into leftist oblivion, uh, Complete Colorado is becoming the the best go-to source for uh, Colorado news. Um, and so I ver- have very high regard for it. Um, there's another website called The Daily Caller. I write for that every Monday morning. And the column you're referring to is not quite out yet. It will be in a few in a few hours. But uh, listeners to your show are getting an advanced look at it. <laughs> I love um, that. <laughs> here's, the, here's the background, Kim. Um, I, I have a consulting business, and almost every... Uh, almost every 
computer we have, almost every peripheral we have is purchased from Best Buy. Done a great deal of business with Best Buy. Then I discover that that company has filed, or is one of 206, that have filed a friend of the court brief in a, in a Supreme Court case called Bostock versus Clayton County. And what they're arguing in Bostock versus Clayton County is that the 1964 Civil Rights Act, uh, that it's a um, prohibition against discrimination based on sex, should be expanded from male-female to uh, uh, homosexual conduct, to uh, transgender conduct, and so forth. Now, uh, I don't take a position in my article as to whether the the, uh, 64 Civil Rights Act should be expanded. But if it should be expanded, it should be done by Congress. I mean, that's that is the agency, the democratic agency that the people have for passing laws. You don't you don't uh, uh, change the meaning of a law uh, by judicial fiat, and yet that is what Best Buy and these other 205 companies are asking the court to do. They it is absolutely certain, absolutely clear, uh, by all measures of evidence that when Congress passed the 64 Civil Rights Act, uh, when they banned discrimination because of sex, they were not talking about transgender conduct or homosexual conduct. They were talking about uh, essentially giving equal rights to women. And um, and it is a very old tradition in our system. It's at the center of our judicial system. It's been around for hundreds of years that when the legislature, the people's agents, passes a law, you interpret the law according to how the people's representatives uh, wanted it to be interpreted. You don't change that interpretation. That's not democracy. That's oligarchy. And and that's not the rule of law. That is, uh, that's tyranny. Uh, and yet that is exactly what Best Buy and these other 205 companies are asking the Supreme Court to do. Well, and Rob, I've thought a lot about this. Back in 1964 was a different time than where we are now in America. And when you when you um, take out and, and identify people as in a group, and, and then you give that group certain rights, I think that once you start to give um, people special rights, then you no longer have equal rights. And uh, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, that, that, that has become a problem with our civil rights laws. Look, there is something in this country called freedom of association. It's actually protected by the First Amendment. The term association is not used by the First Amendment, but it's understood to be incidental to our right to petition, to our right to free speech, and so forth. Freedom of association is a First Amendment right. Now, that means that that includes the right to do business with whomever you want, to associate with whom, whomever you want. In 1964, Congress made the decision to limit that freedom, and I think for some good reasons. There had been a history of what's called invidious discrimination against certain groups in our country. And so Congress passed this narrowly targeted law prohibiting or limiting freedom of association, limiting the ability to discriminate on the basis of race or color, national origin, or, or, or sex, uh, male, female. Uh, but it, is, it still represents an exception to the wider freedom of uh, freedom of association. 
Now what's happened is that the states in particular have been uh, – they started with fairly narrow civil rights laws, and they've been expanding them again and again and again. And every time they expand them, they constrict individual freedom, and they also run into problems like the Masterpiece Cake case where uh, these statutes start to interfere with religious freedom. But in the in in the the case I've written for in the article I've written for the Daily Caller, I focus on a different problem, and that is you've got these 206 companies actually asking the court to disregard two fundamental principles of American government. One is that when the people's representatives pass a statute, the statute is interpreted according to the desire and the intent of the people's representatives, and the second fundamental, and that's the part of the rule of law. And the second fundamental uh, uh, provision or principle uh, of America is is um, is democracy. The the court is not a lawmaker. It, if if it comes time to change the law, then what these companies need to do is they need to ask Congress to do it, not the Supreme Court to do it. And I end the column by saying, you know, what are they going to ask next? That the Supreme Court uh, just declare that we're a monarchy? I mean, th- that that's the kind of attack on our American constitutional system that these companies are engaged in. And it's not just Best Buy. It also includes companies like Apple, American Express, AT&T, Domino's, Lyft, Citigroup. Another company I do business with, Wells Fargo. They're not going to be doing business with me for very long. And uh, Americans need to be aware uh, when companies like this try to subvert fundamental American liberties and American rights. Boy, we're we're going to be just about out of time. But I, what on earth is happening in corporate America? I'm looking at this list that you, there's the link in your article, and they're supposed to be in the business of doing business. And what has happened yes. at these these businesses that they're over here trying to make this happen? Well, of course, they're arguing that if we have a law that requires or uh, requires people to hire. Uh, people who engage in homosexual or transgender practices, that that's going to be good for business. It may be good for their businesses because they're all very big companies and they can afford the compliance costs. And one effect will be to put their smaller competitors at a disadvantage because their smaller competitors may not be able to uh, afford the compliance costs because it's not just you know technically complying with the law. They're going to have to have training for employees are going to have to deal with lawsuits and so forth. Mm-hmm. And I can see a company like, here's another one, Amazon on the list. I can see a company like Amazon saying, great, this will put out some of our smaller com- uh, competitors out of business. So part of it's probably just corporate greed. Mm-hmm. There also is, as you know, a well-organized blackmail machine mm-hmm. on the left in this country. And who knows what kind of pressure they put mm-hmm. on these, uh, these mm-hmm. companies. Mm-hmm. Follow the money. You know, that's one of the things is uh, is big government and big business like each other because of just what you said. They can put in laws that small the small mom and shop guy, uh, they have to comply with. And, and so before they can even, the small mom and pop shop, before they can even get their business going, they have all of these costs to try to get into business. And it's slamming yep. the door on the American dream. And I want to I'm going to say shame on all of these companies that are this on is, this list. This is one of the, Kim, this is one of the reasons why the most 
the, the states that tend to be dominated by the progressive left, like California, New York, New Jersey, and so forth, one of the reasons why they actually have the greatest levels of inequality in the country, when the left complains about inequality, it, we need to remember that the states that they control are the ones that have the greatest inequality, in part because of the regulations they pass that squeeze out the little guy. Wow. You know, and Rob Nadelson, I think that you gave me this quote. I wrote this down, and I've been trying to find it. You said the rule of law, and we're, we're, we're going to talk about the law of the Constitution. The rule of law encourages true hopes and discourages false hopes. Do you remember saying that? Um, <laughs> I think I, that, I think it was that. you. I think it was you that said that. I wrote it down. Hey, we are out of time. I think, it's a wonderful, I think it's a wonderful quote, and I agree with it. <laughs> well, I think you said it. So we are out of time. We're going to have you back next month, okay? These are just fabulous conversations. Rob Thank Nadelson, you. thank you so much. Yeah. Bye-bye. Okay. Clarence Thomas, Supreme Court Justice, said to, to, divide, to, to define each of us by our race. I'm going to add in sexuality or whatever. To, to define each of us by our race is nothing short of a denial of our humanity. So today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson signing off. God bless you. And God bless America.